Welcome back to The Word Encounter and happy day after New Year's Day 2021. This is episode 149 of The Word Encounter, where we stopped off in um, chapter 39 yesterday. So let's pick it up in chapter 40 of Jeremiah. We're going to drop down to verse 7. And it says, Gedaliah advises peace. Well, who is Gedaliah? Well, we will get to that. <laughs> verse 7, all the commanders of the army that were in the countryside, they and their men, heard that the king of Babylon had appointed Gedaliah over the land. And so Nebuchadnezzar, after they raided and defeated uh, Judah and Jerusalem, he appointed Gedaliah essentially as governor over the land. And it says he had been put in charge of the men, women, and children from among the poorest of the land who had not been deported to Babylon. So a remnant was left in Babylon, and Gedaliah was appointed the governor over the territory. It says in verse 8, so they came to Gedaliah at Mizpah. The commanders included Ishmael, uh, Johanan, and Jonathan, uh, Sariah, uh, the sons of Ephah, and uh, who's that? Jezaniah. Uh, they and their men. And so we had commanders and their men. So <clears throat> these were people who I guess were hiding out in the hill country uh, when the Chaldeans, i.e. the Babylonians, came in and took over the country. And so uh, all the people were deported or the, the majority of the people were deported back to Babylon and the armies left and Gedaliah was left in charge. And so these men are now starting to come out of the woodworks, if you will. They're starting to come out of the hill country down to meet Gedaliah, them and their men. And it says in verse 9, Gedaliah uh, swore, an oath to them, uh, swore an oath to them and their men, assuring them, don't be afraid to serve the Chaldeans, live in the land and serve the king of Babylon, and it will go well for you. And so, remember, this isn't Gedaliah just speaking. See, because the Lord had told them what was going to happen and that a remnant would be left behind. And so he's speaking the truth here, that um, it will go well with you. Just don't rock the boat. Just go on with your life, uh, lives and serve the king of Babylon, and everything is going to be fine. <clears throat> and so we drop down to verse 11. It says, when all the Judeans in Moab and among the Ammonites and uh, in Edom and in other lands also heard that the king of Babylon had left a remnant in Judah and had appointed uh, Gedaliah over them, the word says they all returned from all these places where they had been banished and came to the land of Judah to Gedaliah at Mizpah and um, harvested a great amount of wine and summer fruit. And so they, they essentially heard that... Uh, um, a society, if you will, was was left behind or was 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 forming under the leadership of Gedaliah, and so they're coming out and to support this this new society under this new uh, regime, and they were prosperous when they did so. In verse thirteen, it says, "Meanwhile, uh, Jonah, what's he, Johanan." It said, meanwhile, Johanan and all the commanders of the army in the countryside came to Gedaliah at Mizpah. Okay, so Johanna comes out at Mizpah, and in verse 14 it says, And warned him, Don't you realize that Balish, king of the Ammonites, has sent Ishmael to kill you? And so <clears throat> these commanders of armies came uh, when they met Gedaliah, and Gedaliah told them, You know, just go along with the program, everything's going to be cool. And so they came along, and they said, Well, but we've got some news for you. Don't you know that the, the Ammonites' king, you know, and remember, all these territories had been defeated by um, Bab uh, Babylon. 
And so there's kind of like a power vacuum. And it seems as though when there's a power vacuum, people want to fill it and they want to manipulate in order to gain advantage. <clears throat> and so here we have in the, in the desolate and ruined territories that Babylon came in and swept through. And so they, now that they've done their job, they've gone back to Babylon. So now we have the struggle going on. That's the way it appears to me. And so the king of the Ammonites, <clears throat> uh, or the men are warning Gedaliah, uh, who's been appointed the governor of the territory, that you need to watch out because the king of the Ammonites is sending this dude called Ishmael to kill you. And um, so let me read that again, verse 14, and warned him, don't you realize that Balas, king of the Ammonites, has sent Ishmael to kill you? But Gedaliah would not believe them. He didn't believe them. Then Johanan suggested to Gedaliah in private at Mizpah, let me go kill Ishmael. No one will know. He says, send me on a mission. Let me go assassinate him. And then he says, well, why should he kill you and allow all of Judah that has gathered around you to scatter and the remnant of Judah to perish? And so we see here, Jonathan is kind of being, no, Johanan, I should say, is kind of being prophetic here. He's saying, if something happens to you, then all, literally all hell is going to break out. You know, we're going you know, to be scattered and perish and, and all that. We'll see what happens. In verse 16, but Gadaliah responded to Johanan, don't do that. What you're saying about Ishmael is a lie. So uh, Gadaliah wouldn't believe it. He was being warned, but he wouldn't believe it. Let's go to, uh, to chapter 41. And in chapter 41, it says Gadaliah assassinated by Ishmael. Uh, chapter 41, verse 1. In the seventh month, Ishmael of the royal family um, and one of the king's chief officers came with 10 men to Gadaliah at Mizpah. And it says they ate a meal together there in Mizpah. But then Ishmael and the 10 men who were with him got up and struck down Gadaliah with the sword. He killed, uh, he killed the one the king of Babylon had appointed in the land. So this is dangerous territory, right? Because Nebuchadnezzar had just swept through there, so he was the top dog in the land, and he appointed Gedaliah. But then Ishmael, who was sent by the king of the Ammonites, Ammonites, came and killed the man that uh, Nebuchadnezzar had appointed. And then it says in verse 3, Ishmael struck down all the Judeans who were were with uh, Gedaliah and Mizpah, as well as the Chaldean soldiers who were there. So he not only killed Gedaliah and his people that were with him, he also killed Chaldean soldiers. I mean, this is, they had just conquered the land. <laughs> so this is dangerous territory, extremely dangerous territory. So let's drop down to verse 10. It says, Then Ishmael took captive all the rest of the people of Mizpah, including the daughters of the king, all those who remained in Mizpah. So he killed Gedaliah, all his people, and then even soldiers, and then he took over all the people that were left in, in Mizpah. Now remember, this is a remnant. Most of the people had been deported and exiled to Babylon. So we're talking about a remnant here. And then the next uh, section says, The captives rescued by Johanan. Then it says uh, in verse 11, when Johanan and all the commanders of the army with him heard of all the evil that Ishmael had done, they took all their men and went to fight with Ishmael. They found him by the great pool in Gibeon. And so they went to knock this dude out because they had killed the, the governor. They had killed Gedaliah. Uh, Ishmael had killed Gedaliah, took over the people. And so Johanan heard this says, nope, we're not having this. So then in verse 14, it says, all the people whom Ishmael had taken captive from Mizpah turned around, 
and, and rejoined Johanan. Um, so they saw Johanan. They saw that he was coming to fight uh, Ishmael, and they looked, they rejoiced, and they said, we're, gonna, <laughs> we're defecting, we're going to join this guy. It says in verse 15, but Ishmael escaped from Johanan with eight men and went to the Ammonites. And so he got out of Dodge. He left. In verse 16, then it says Johanan and all the commanders of the army with him uh, then took from Mizpah all the remnant of the people uh, whom he had discovered, whom he had recovered from Ishmael. Soldiers, women, children, court officials. You know, he brought them all back uh, to Gibeon. And then it says, um, they, so then they left. It says they stopped near uh, Bethlehem. So they're, they're on their way somewhere, and they stopped near Bethlehem in order to make their way to Egypt. So they're on their way to Egypt. And so they're stopping in Bethlehem because they're thinking that Egypt is going to be their land of uh, refuge so that they can regather and uh, prosper there and then who knows, maybe return. In verse 18, it says, um, well, let me back up. It says, uh, they left stopping near Bethlehem in order to make their way into Egypt away from the Chaldeans, for they feared for they feared them because Ishmael had struck down uh, Gedaliah, whom the king of Babylon had appointed over the land. And so they're thinking that, okay, when Nebuchadnezzar hears what happens, he's going to send soldiers and we're going to be in trouble, so we're going to jet. We're going to go to Egypt. Let's go to verse 42. And it says, the people seek Jeremiah's counsel. It says in verse 1, excuse me, chapter 42, um, verse 1, it says, Then all the commanders of the armies along with Johanan and all the people from the least to the greatest approached the prophet Jeremiah and said, May our petition come to you. Pray to the Lord your God on our behalf, on behalf of this entire remnant. And so we have uh, uh, Johanan recovering all the people that Ishmael uh, uh, essentially stole. <laughs> and so then now they're going to, to Jeremiah and said, okay, we've recovered our people. This is a remnant, what's left behind. What do we do? We don't know what to do. Then it says in verse 3, um, well, let me back up. Let me said, pray to the Lord your God on, on our behalf, on behalf of this entire remnant, that the Lord your God may tell us the way we should go, and the thing we should do. So here we're, they're petitioning Jeremiah to, okay, go talk to the Lord and have him tell us what we should do because we don't know. Okay, so let's go to verse 4. And it says, so the prophet Jeremiah said to them, I have heard. He's saying, I've heard from the Lord. I will now pray to the Lord your God. You know, I've heard, but I'm going to pray to it anyway. <laughs> pray to the Lord your God. Uh, according to your words, and I will uh, tell you every word that the Lord answers you. I won't hold a word from you. In other words, <clears throat> I'm not going to hold anything back. Petition the Lord. I believe I know what he's saying, but I'm going to petition the Lord, and I'm going to come back to you and tell you everything that he says without filtering it. In verse 5, it says, And they said to Jeremiah, May the Lord be a, a true and faithful witness against us. If we don't act according to every word the Lord your God sends you to tell us. See? So they're saying, look, <laughs> may, may the Lord um, uh, just come against us if we don't do what you say the Lord is telling us to do. And then it says in verse 6, whether it is pleasant or unpleasant, we will obey the Lord uh, our God to whom we are sending you so that it may go well with us. We will certainly obey the Lord our God. And so they're sending Jeremiah to the Lord and telling them, look, 
It does. You don't need to hide anything from us because whatever you tell us, God said, uh, for us to do, we're going to do it. And so, to me, that's what you call a vow. <laughs> Let's keep going. Next section says Jeremiah's advice to stay. In verse 9, he said to them, this is what the Lord says, the God of Israel to whom you sent me to bring your petition before him, uh, if you will indeed stay in this land, then I will rebuild and not demolish you, and I will plant and not uproot you, because I relent concerning the disaster that I have brought you. And so uh, the Lord is telling Jer Jeremiah to tell the people, okay, my anger has subsided. See? My anger with you has gone. Those, the majority of you have gone off into exile in the captivity uh, in Babylon. The remnant is left behind. Now, what I want you to do is to stay and rebuild because I'm not going to demolish you. Nobody's going to demolish you. I'm going to plant you here. I'm not going to uproot you. See, because my anger has relented. And so the disaster is over. <laughs> then it says in verse 11, the Lord says, don't be afraid of the king of Babylon, whom you now fear. Don't be afraid of him. This is the Lord's declaration, because I am with you to save you and rescue you from him. See? So he's reassuring them. Nothing's going to happen to you. Just stay in this land, plant it, you know, rebuild, have babies, get on with life, you know, and I'll watch over you. Be obedient. Everything will be cool. Then it says in verse 12, I will grant you compassion. And he will have compassion on you and allow you to return to your own soil. Not only can you stay here, you can go back to your own land. Everything's going to be fine, you know, to your own property that they took over. You can go back to it, your own soil and everything is going to be fine. In verse 13, it says, but if you say we will not stay in this land in order to disobey the Lord your God, and if you say no, instead we'll go to the land of Egypt where we will not see war or hear the sound of the ram's horn or hunger for food, and we'll live there. And so he's saying, okay, look, if you say uh, we don't believe you, we're going to go where we think is safe. <laughs> We've seen too much war, too much you know, too much anxiety, too much depression. Just too, No, we're, we're leaving this place. So if you do that, don't do that because then you're going your own way. It says in verse 15, then hear the word of the Lord, uh, remnant of Judah. This is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel says. If you are firmly resolved to go to Egypt and stay there for a while, then the sword you fear will overtake you. There in the land of Egypt and the famine, <coughs> excuse me, and the famine you are worried about will follow you on your heels there to the land of Egypt and you will die there. So the Lord is saying, look, if you decide this on your own, that you think you know better than me and you're going to go to Egypt and everything's going to be cool, uh, then the sword you fear is going to follow you and overtake you. Then the hunger that you fear will be on your on your footstool. I mean, on your on, right on the heels of your feet it is going to be right there and there you will die. And then he goes on and, and, and gives some other, you know, ominous uh, uh, predictions of what will happen to the people if they go there. Then it says in verse 19, it says, the Lord has sp spoken concerning you, remnant of Judah. Don't go to Egypt. Know for certain that I have warned you today. And so out of all the things that I've told you that are going to happen to you, this is the bottom line. Don't go to Egypt and know that you have been warned. <laughs> okay, That's pretty clear. You know, that doesn't leave any room for ambiguity. And so let's go to chapter 43. 
And the title says, Jeremiah's counsel rejected. So I think we can all kind of predict what's going to happen here. It says in verse 2, then Azariah, uh, Johanan, and all the other arrogant men responded to Jeremiah. It says, you are speaking a lie. The Lord our God has not sent you to say you must not go to Egypt and stay there for a while. Whether Baruch, uh, son of Neriah, is inciting you against us to hand us over to the Chaldeans to put us to death or to deport us to Babylon. And so, you know, when I read this, it's like, okay, well, why did you ask Jeremiah to petition the Lord? And then he tells you what the Lord says. And then you're essentially saying, I don't believe you. Why didn't you just go about and do what you wanted to do in the first place? See, a lot of times we want to come before the Lord and we want him to essentially uh, rubber stamp and ratify what we want to do. We already know what we want to do, but we want to go before the Lord in the hopes that he he agrees with us so we can feel better, so that we can feel empowered to go ahead and do what we want to do anyway. In verse 4, it says, uh, So Johanan... All the commanders of the armies and all the people failed to obey the Lord's command to stay in the land of Judah. Instead, Johanan and all the commanders of the armies led away the whole remnant of Judah. And so instead of listening to the Lord, they're leading them in their own direction. They're leading them where they want to go. And it says those who had returned to stay in the land of Judah from all the nations where they had been banished. And so it says that uh, this remnant, comprises of people who have come from all the territories that the Babylonians have have conquered because they heard about things at Mizpah with Gedaliah. And so they're all, they, all these people have come and gathered, you know, strength in numbers, trying to, you know, survive, figure out what the next move is, and they're being led astray. So the commanders of the armies are leading them astray. And it says, they also led the prophet Jeremiah and Barak uh, son of uh, Neriah away. So they led uh, Jeremiah and his boy away too. Okay. Now, I don't know if they went willingly. Uh, the word doesn't say. It seems like maybe they didn't go willingly. Seems like maybe they were coerced to go. It seems like maybe they were maybe even slightly forced to go. I don't know. And it says they went to the land of Egypt because they did not obey the Lord. Uh, they went as far as to Hopkins. And then uh, let's drop down. It says, God signed to the people in Egypt. And so this is verse 8. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah to Hopkins. And it says in verse 9, Pick up some large stones and set them in the mortar of the brick pavement that is at the opening of Pharaoh's palace at Tehoppins. <clears throat> Do this in the sight of the Judean men. And so he says, Okay. Get some large stones and place them where I tell you to place them. And then he said in verse uh, 10, and tell them, this is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel says, I will send for my servant Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and I will place his throne on these stones that I have embedded. And he will pitch his pavilion over them. And so what is Jeremiah telling them that the Lord says? That, you know, you have uh, disobeyed the Lord and fled to Egypt, but this is what's about to happen in Egypt. You think you found security in Egypt, but I got something else to tell you. Then it says in verse 11, he will come and strike down, he will come and strike down the land of Egypt. Those destined for death to death, those destined for captivity to captivity, and those destined for the sword, the sword. 
So he's telling them, look, you fled to Egypt thinking you're going to have some kind of peace, uh, some kind of respite. Uh uh-uh. uh, because I'm sending my boy Nebuchadnezzar and he's going to uh, come and he's going to strike down the land of Egypt, the, the place that you fled uh, for security. <clears throat> so let's see. Now let's go to verse 44. And it says, God's judgment against his people in G- Egypt. It says, this is the word that came to Jeremiah for all the Jews living in the land of Egypt. So all these people that fled to Egypt, following the commanders of the army that would not stay in Judah, like the Lord told them, he says, this is the word I have for you. And it says uh, in verse seven, so now this is what the Lord, the God of armies, the God of Israel says, why are you doing such a terrible harm to yourselves? See, you are cutting, uh, you're cutting off man and woman, infant and nursing baby from Judah, leaving yourselves without a remnant. So says, you fled off to this other land, you've cut yourself off from the others that are remaining in Judah and you've done so foolishly. It says, you are angry at me by the work of your hands. You are burning incense to other gods in the land of Egypt where you have gone to stay for a while. As a result, you will be cut off and become an example for cursing and insult among all the nations of the earth. He said, because you didn't listen to me, because you fled to Egypt and started worshiping their gods and started you know, insulting me again because of your actions, this is what's going to happen. You're going to get cut off and you're going to become an example for the rest of the world as to what happens when you defy me. <clears throat> then we drop down to verse 13. He says, I will punish those living in the land of Egypt just as I punished Jerusalem by the sword, famine, and plague. When the Babylonians came and the sword came and famine came and plague came and they wiped out uh, Judah and they wiped out Jerusalem, this is You've, you've fled to Egypt hoping to flee that, but no, the exact same thing is going to happen to you in Egypt because you did not listen. And then it says the people's stubborn response. And so, you know, Jeremiah has been, has been prophesying to them all the stuff that's going to happen to them. So now they're going to respond. It says in verse 16, as for the word you spoke to us in the name of the Lord, we are not going to listen to you. Instead, we will do everything we promised. They said, we will burn incense to the queen of heaven and offer drink offerings to her just as we, our ancestors, our kings, and our officials did in Judah's cities and in Jerusalem's streets. Then we had enough food, we were well off, and we saw no disaster. So what they're doing is they're citing their history. They're saying, look, our ancestors did this, you know, our officials did this, all this, uh, you know, they, they, they prayed to and idolized and worshiped other gods to the, to, to the queen of heaven and, and did all this stuff and everything was fine with them. And so we're going to do the same thing. See, but everything wasn't fine with them. See, they were doing this and God kept telling them, he kept warning them, he kept warning them. And it says in verse 18, but from the time we ceased to burn incense to the queen of heaven and to her uh, and to offer her drink offerings, we have lacked everything. And through the sword uh, and famine, we have met our end. And so what they're saying is they're attributing their condition to them stopping worshiping the queen of heaven. Because they're, they're saying, look, when we stop doing this, then all this bad stuff started to happen to us. What they didn't realize is that's, that wasn't the case. They were what they were realizing was as a result of their ancestors doing these things and them continuing to do them. And so 
they're looking at this from a very wrong perspective. In verse 20, it says, but Jeremiah responded to all the people, the men, the women, and all the people who were, um, who were answering him. So Jeremiah is going to respond to them, and he says this in verse 23, because you burn incense and sinned against the Lord and didn't obey the Lord and didn't follow his instruction, his statutes, his testimonies, the disaster has come on you as you see today. So Jeremiah is correcting them. He said, no, 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 no. All this stuff is happening to you not because you stopped worshiping the queen of heaven and, and paying homage to her. No, all this stuff is happening to you because you did burn incense to her and you did worship her and you did sin against the Lord and you didn't obey the Lord. That is why this is happening. So you've got to get this straight. It says in verse 26, therefore, hear the word of the Lord. All you Judeans who live in the land of Egypt, I am watching over you for disaster and not for good. In other words, he said, I am watching over you to make sure disaster comes your way. For everyone from Judah who is in the land of Egypt will meet his end by the sword or famine until they are finished off. And it says in verse 29, this will be a sign to you. This is the Lord's declaration that I will punish you in this place. So you may know that my words of disaster concerning you will certainly come to pass. So he's saying, look, I'm going to give you a sign to make sure you don't discredit why this is happening to you to make sure that you know that it was me who has done this because you have not followed and you have not obeyed. Mm. And with that, we are going to, that's kind of a somber word, but with that, we are going to stop. We're going to pick it up in chapter 45 tomorrow. Romans 10 verse 9 says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For scripture says, everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame. <clears throat> and uh, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so it is the most important thing you can do in life is to acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. And by doing so, uh, that doesn't mean life is going to be easy. That doesn't mean things are going to be simple. In some cases, things are going to become more difficult. But what that does mean is that your heart has opened uh, to, the, to the direction of the Lord. And if you should hearken onto his voice, uh, the word says that you will be saved. Because there is more to life than life as we know it here and now on this earth. And so with that, everybody take care. We'll pick it up tomorrow in, what, chapter 40. 45, I believe it is. Yeah, we'll pick it up in chapter 45 tomorrow, Jeremiah. Bye-bye now. Be safe.